0: Hi, and welcome to the Pantsuit Nation podcast. Pantsuit Nation is a community of over 3.8 million people who came together in 2016 to rally around Secretary Clinton's candidacy and very quickly moved to be a powerful force to resist the current administration. Uh, My name is Libby Chamberlain. I'm one of the co-founders of Pantsuit Nation. I'm here with Courtney. Hey! I'm actually not literally here with Courtney. She's in Boston. I'm in Maine, basically like the Arctic Vortex, right now I'm sitting with my
1: like hoodie and yes, hat and the what is it called, <laughs> the Arctic bomb or something is, is yeah barreling something bad is us.
2: happening.
1: <laughs> but yeah,
0: it's it's 2018, it's here. Um, 2017, I mentioned this in a Facebook post um, over the holiday weekend was like really. Um, equally kind of like magnificent and horrible for me personally, because of everything that was happening nationally, but it also brought into my life so many wonderful people. Courtney, you're one of those people. We barely, you know, we just met at the end of 2016, 2017 has had us working together, collaborating together, doing this podcast together. Um, so that's a that's a big gift that I'm, I'm not ignoring, but I'm also ready for the politics of 2017 to be behind us and to move into more power and um, exciting things happen. Happening in 2018 as, a, as
1: an election year. Absolutely. I mean, I feel the same way. I feel like it's been an interesting like, really up personal year and really challenging professional year. Um, that professionally, just because our work requires us to constantly focus on what's going on, it can be very draining. But on the personal side of that, you know, I get to do that with you, with Kat, with the rest of our amazing team. Um, you know, we all know, I've gave, gave a shout out to my niece Zoe, who was born last year. So 2017 is a shiny bright spot in my family for that. My One of my brothers got married also. Um, So there's just a lot of really exciting things that happened. But uh, at the same time, it was kind of a high stress year uh, politically. Um, But I am really thrilled to be moving into 2018. Uh, I feel like so many times we talked about focusing on the 2018 elections, the 2018 elections, they felt so far away. And now we are finally within the calendar year um, of being able to take back um, some of the seats in the House and the Senate and, and make a difference in the uh, checks and balances in our, in our community. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I mean, primaries are now months away at this point, and there's a lot of work, a lot of work to do.
1: Yeah, dust off your clipboards, people. It's time to get out there and start uh, start the process of you know advocating for those candidates that you really want to see either hold their seats or or win new ones. So. Yep. That's what we're gonna do moving into 2018. Um, And we are really excited to have an amazing guest as our first guest in this uh, new year. Um, She's a really critical voice to uh, watch, listen to, read, uh, follow on Instagram. So I'll let Libby introduce her. Yes, so today we are
0: thrilled to welcome Rachel Cargill, who's an activist, a writer, a speaker. Her work is rooted in providing tools and resources for women and their allies to form valid opinions and take meaningful action on the issues that matter to us. She's a co-founder of The Ripple, which is an intersectional women's collective, and the chief editor of The State of the Woman, which is a weekly newsletter that that brings its subscribers a roundup of women's affairs. Rachel is currently living in New York City and attending Columbia University. I've gotten to know Rachel through um, collaborating on the Pansy Nation Book. She's one of the women that's featured on the cover um, which is like the the tiniest like tip of the iceberg of, of the ways that I've um, been you know following her and, and getting excited about her work so uh, Rachel, thank you so much and welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here with you guys
1: so, Rachel, one of the ways that I know your work is that you wrote a very powerful article after the tragic passing of Erica Garner, um, daughter of Eric Garner, and you you take a look at the, the story of her life and her passing in the frame of black maternal mortality. Um, We were able to talk to Congresswoman Gwen Moore last year on the podcast about this issue. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about um, why you chose to kind of take that framing after Erica's passing.
2: Yeah, hearing the news about Erica's passing was such a tragedy for more than just the fact that, you know, we lost a hero on the front lines of activism against police brutality. But as a Black woman, Erica was just a example of a lot of the horrible things that are happening in our U.S. healthcare system um, to Black women, especially in the realm of giving birth. And It's wild to look at the statistics because right now the U.S. is the only industrialized nation where maternal mortality rates are rising and Black women are being affected the most. And when I heard about Erica's death, um, I also was aware that she had just given birth just a few months ago to her son, Eric. Um, And so when I heard it, I had been doing some research on what maternal mortality rates were looking like for Black women, and immediately I made the connection looking at where her health may have been in the moment of um, this heart attack that happened that eventually led to a coma and then her death, but looking at how that health crisis also fed into um, the work that she was doing. And it was just so heartbreaking to go back into that research, look and see where Black women are passing away in hospitals because they're not getting the proper healthcare. And hearing about Erica's death really highlighted that fact. And um, I I was excited to take this opportunity to continue to educate all of us on um, what it's looking like within the US healthcare system and how Erica's life could have been perhaps prolonged because obviously this wasn't the only thing um, that might have attributed to her death, but the stressors of racism are affecting lots of Black women. And she just happened to be one who also had a baby recently. And um, she was was just a very interesting intersection of all of those things at the time.
1: Completely. I think that one of the things that has struck me in the course of her passing is how much she kind of transcends that statistic that we hear about, you know, the differences between maternal mortality in black communities and in white communities, Um, and that when it's someone whose name you recognize, whose face you recognize, who passes away, you know, three months after giving birth, her first heart attack was, um, you know, closer to her giving birth. Mm -hmm. This was her second heart attack that led to her death, Um, that it, it just puts into perspective the fact that you know this is happening to real people, um, and it's uh, absolutely an, an utter tragedy. Um, and I think that one of the you know potential legacies of Erica Garner is kind of making sure that we keep that conversation in the forefront, and we and we make changes um, to make sure that this this doesn't continue to be uh, this kind of systematic and widespread problem that it is now.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that um, part of her legacy, for sure, will be putting us all in conversation and in the mindset of considering what life looks like for black women in the pure sense of fighting against systematic racism, that a lot of the pain that we go through, um, has to do with just our everyday existence, and I, as a woman of color, and also I'm twenty. I'm twenty nine years old. Erica was only twenty seven, and that's just so mind blowing mm-hmm. to consider oh, that she had so these types of complications at such a young age. And so, um, a lot of the work that I've been doing, and a lot of the way, the things that I, the information, I should say, that I've been trying to put out there, is um, the consciousness of how racism isn't only putting you know our country further and further back and progressing, but also at an individual level, how how this is taking a toll on Black women and what that looks like for our families. Now Erica has children. She had another child before this one. Um, this was her second child. So they're missing a mother. And that's, you know, pouring into other generational repetitions that the Black community just, we don't have space for. We don't have space for it anymore. So um, a lot of it has to do with making sure that we're uplifting black women, we're giving them a space to use their voice, we're listening to them when they tell us that something's wrong. One of the big parts of the research that um, I I learned was that within the healthcare system and research that has been in, in the data that has been pulled is that black women are constantly saying that their doctors or their nurses or their healthcare professionals aren't listening to them. They'll say, I feel like something's wrong, or this doesn't seem right, and they're being dismissed or they're being condescended. And so that we, we can see how that Goes past the healthcare system. How women, how black women, are using their voice to say something's wrong here. This needs to be addressed. And people are looking over their words or their concerns and moving on to something that they feel is valid. But black women are bringing up valid points and valid issues that um, they just aren't given the space to speak on. And in in the world that we have now of social media, um, there's a lot of you know political events that are happening around the country, mostly due to the current administration um just giving black women that face to be heard and to be respected um and to say okay we hear you let's listen and figure out um what it is you're bringing to our concern
0: yeah absolutely and i think that that is where i have seen you be so forceful and and so unapologetic um and yet still so so gracious and the way that you are getting this information out there rachel and and um in your sort of intersectional approach to feminism um and and kind of balancing that online offline world. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about sort of how you see, you, you just talked about social media, but I know you are involved in in-person events as well in your community and how you sort of see the capacity for online engagement, creating space for women's voices and black women's voices online, um, but then also kind of um, having space in person to, to amplify and, and make sure that, that people are being heard in that space as well.
2: Yeah, I think online is a very interesting space because um, it puts us in contact with people we would have never met otherwise, us, for example. <laughs> <And> then, yes, I <laughs> just to say, um, all
0: three of us. Uh-huh.
2: But, yep. <laughs> yeah, but especially in big spaces such as the Pantsuit Nation group or there are, there are many, many other groups where women are coming together to have meaningful conversation. I think that it's fair to say that a lot of it starts there where we're constantly tuning in, checking into these apps, checking into these groups. And we need to see the sort of... Um, respect. And we need to see the sort of uplifting of voices done in online spaces so that that can be reflected in our real lives. Because we get a lot of empowerment and encouragement from knowing that the people that we associate with online who are around the world or around the country kind of have our backs when we go out into the real world. So I think that it's really important for us to consider how we're interacting with each other online, because that's going to be a big reflection of how um, we feel empowered offline. So um, that's this is like making, making my sure. heart
0: sing. Sorry to interrupt you, Rachel. <laughs> but it's like, it's so it's great to hear that because I I agree. And I sometimes wonder about like what the I mean, I want to talk about the ripple in a second, which is one of your projects, okay. but but I'm thinking about the ripple effect, right? When we empower women to speak online and... Um, and give them that sense of encouragement of sometimes practice, um, I think, especially for white women, not necessarily having some practice in using social justice language if it's if it's new to them, um, this vocabulary that sometimes feels foreign, being able to um, work with other allies um, and other women of color that are you know in the space to sort of say, I'm working really hard um, and, and in a spirit of generosity, like trying to, to boost each other up and say, you can do this, and then see how that can be translated out into different spaces online, um, and then importantly, out in the world, in your community, in your church, in your uh, you know neighborhood, in your school, all of those places, um, I really think that there's a huge potential there.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And a lot of the work that we're doing, especially now talking about um, specifically intersectionality, there's a lot of discomfort here. There's a lot of ways in which white women have never had to have these conversations regarding um, privilege regarding um, a a lot of issues that have to do with maybe disabled people or, um, you know, there's there's a wide range of ways that we are being presented with experiences that we've never had to deal with, that we've never had to confront, and issues that we've never had to question ourselves on. So I really think that online is a chance for us to have, quote-unquote, safer spaces to sit in that discomfort figure out how we're feeling about it and then go into the world and take action on it. So, um, that's how I hope that online activism, and I hate in that term is in quotation marks because a lot of times <laughs> activism stays online, but I think that online activism does right, right. have its purpose in, you know, I'm going to lay something out for you. You have time to sit there, read it and sit in your discomfort. If you have questions, let's talk about it. But I think there's a space for us there to really, um, check each other and learn from each other and kind of in the safety of our home behind our screen to say, okay, where am I wrong? Where can I think about this and what what action can I do? And then that translates into the most important part, which is taking action um, in real life, IRL, taking our time to really just make sure that we are translating this knowledge into actionable items. And that's where the Ripple came from. Um, Dana who is um, she's my partner in a lot of the activism that I do. She's also my best friend. We started the Ripple after she and I took a busload of women down to the Women's March from New York City to Washington, D.C. And um, we had a photo that went viral. And it kind of gave us a platform to have a lot of really important conversation around intersectionality. In particular, um, in feminism, and so the ripple was our our efforts to give women immediate action based an, an immediate action based way to participate in the resistance. And so our priority is intersectionality with our platform, and what we've done is create spaces for women to come in and have conversation and be with um, women who don't look like them or who don't live like them or don't, who. Um, especially in New York City, we have such a wide range. We have such a great population of people where these women are coming in, sharing their experiences and learning from each other. Um, We do events. um, One of my favorite is we have a panel series called How to Be an Ally. And um, we've done two so far where we bring a panel of a marginalized group of women to come and we literally just hand them the mic and we tell them to tell us what we need to hear. So the first one we did was How to Be an Ally to Muslim Women. um, And our most recent one was How to Be an Ally to Black Women. Women. And in these spaces, we, and, and our audience is widely um, white women. And so it's very interesting. And very needed for them to come into these spaces and we tell them you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to hear from people who are angry, who are hurting, and who are coming to you with specific information that you need to take to heart and take action on. Um, so things, and, and specifically in my mind I'm thinking about our how to be an ally to black women event um, you know, our our guests were able to walk away with takeaways, like make sure that you're calling people out when you're at at the dinner table, when you're at the bar and someone who looks like you says, Oh, look at that angry black woman over there. Like talk about why that black woman might be angry. What's happening in our system to make them feel that way. Or if you're, if, if you know, you checking yourself on your biases and saying, wait, let me take a moment and see why I'm making the decisions that I'm making and what else I can consider. So we are really excited to be giving women, um, a, a space to come together, to look at each other in person, to look at each other eye to eye and say, you know, how can we be in this together?
1: I think this is such an amazing project. I love so much. You know, we talk constantly about, um, at Pantsuit Nation, you know, trying to bring people to offline action. And I love so much that your project has that baked right in um, and that there's, you know, there's really no um, distinction between online and offline because it all contributes to the way that we treat each other offline that that's mm-hmm. really like the the critical thing um, because that's you know that's where you vote and that's where laws are enacted and that's that's the space where um, people need to be made safe obviously that's you know critical in online spaces too but it's really like bodily safe um, happens offline uh, and I just want to say that um, you kind of said you know we had this picture it went viral it is an iconic photo yeah. from the women's march i can't like talk enough about what an incredible picture it is um it's just like the perfect call for intersectional feminism and just like saying it is not enough to be a white feminist. We've had enough of this. Um, I love it. Sorry. (laughs) That's that's my fangirl moment of like that's one of my favorite photos that came out of Women's
3: March. Thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rachel, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Um, It's been incredible to hear from you and like we said um, earlier in the podcast, we're going to be looking to you um, many times in the coming year. Um, You're a leader in this space, and um, you do a great job of also directing us to other people we should be listening to, which um, is, I think, another thing that a great leader does. Um, Tell us where our listeners can find your work in the online space and offline.
2: Yeah, um, I do most of my work via social media, a lot of the conversations that I have. um, It's at the number one that got away. Hopefully you'll be able to throw that link up somewhere. Yeah. And then also, um, that's on Instagram. I, I do a lot of my work on Instagram and then I have a website. It's rachelcargle.com, And there you can find, um, all of the brands, including the ripple as well as my weekly newsletter called state of the woman, where I throw out, um, around my roundup of women's affairs. So, um, all the links to all the work that I do is at rachelcargle.com, And I'm excited to continue to use my voice and to build, um, the community around a lot of the work that we all are doing.
0: Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on the podcast, for um, bringing us into this New powerful woman forward year, um, and also thank you again for all of the discussions that you bring into Pantsuit Nation and then stay to um, to have conversations around them. It's incredibly valuable, um, and we're just so grateful for for your presence and your voice and, and everything that you contribute. Great to hear your voice too. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's so funny, you know, online communication is yeah, it's amazing to hear your voice. So, um, and happy new year to you and yours. Thank
2: you. Happy new year.
1: I could not be more thrilled that we started the Pantsuit Nation podcast in 2018 with that interview with Rachel. Um, She's really incredible, and I think that she uh, is a really great place for people to kind of start um, learning about the kinds of issues that she's talking about uh, on social media and then take that work offline. So couldn't be more thrilled that that's how we kicked off the year.
0: Same. Definitely follow her on Instagram people that are listening. It's, um, it's one of the like highlights of my day is checking in, seeing what Rachel's thinking about, talking about, um, you know, her, just her words are beautiful and and her thoughts are, are, um, something that, that definitely helps me kind of frame the way that I'm looking at a lot of these issues in a empowering, um, and thoughtful way. So go Rachel. (laughs) <laughs> and uh now let's see speaking of like getting in in the right frame of ri- mind to take action and and get out there and do some stuff in 2018 should we give Kat a call
1: let's do it first cat right. call of the new year hello.
3: hello hello Kat hi Kat hello Courtney hello Libby happy new year Happy New Year. And to you. Wait,
0: Kat, this is actually the first time that I've spoken to you. <laughs> Even though we, we often talk uh, not on the podcast, this is literally the first time I'm talking to you. Is that true? It's true. I haven't talked to you all year, Libby.
3: serious but I'm right. saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, great New Year joke, Kat. <laughs> you Crushed you know. it.
3: been working on that one for 33 years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Kat, we have um, New Year, same shit. Uh, what do we need to do this week in our call to action?
3: All right. So Congress is out on recess right now. They have an extended vacation uh, for a week. So that's great for them. Uh, And until they return to Washington on January 8th, we have something that you can do in the meantime. So attend a local town hall. Check out townhallproject.com to see if your reps have a town hall scheduled. Uh, The website there has a great map that lets you know what kind of events are going on, whether it's staff only or your congressperson will be there themselves. And you can put in your zip code and see all the events coming up your district. Um, But not every every rep has a town hall plan. So if your rep doesn't have one listed, call them up and demand one. Uh, Check out fivecalls.org for scripts on how to get a town hall information and ask for one if it isn't scheduled. Uh, And then, you know, what do you do when you get to a town hall? I've been to a couple, actually. uh, I went to Kamala Harris's last year, which is really informative. But the biggest thing you can do there is speak up. Town Hall Project tells us the most powerful thing that you can do as a constituent is to ask an earnest, pressing question on an issue close to you. Your personal story is incredibly valuable. And of course, here at Panthoot Nation, we couldn't agree more. There is much demand. I'd like
1: to point out really quickly that the personal story part is bolded on the Town Hall
3: Project
2: (laughs) website. Bolded.
3: And what's the thing that always goes viral? Somebody telling their personal story to their member of Congress. Right. Um, so, exactly. Yeah, tell that story. Tell that story. So there's lots of demand this month. There's a Clean Dream Act funding the Children's Health Insurance Program that's called CHIP um, or asking for a Congressional Review Act to fight the FCC's rollback of net neutrality and a whole bunch more. So, again, fivecalls.org is a great place to find the variety of issues that are facing us right now. Remember, go and speak from the heart. Be brave. Tell your story. Tell your story. You can do this. Go to a town hall. And that's what I got.
0: Thank you so much, Kat. And we love Town Hall Project. Um, we've gotten to know their founders over the last several months. Um, it's another grassroots organization started up, you know, in the wake of the twenty sixteen election, figuring out different ways to you know, have impact and give people opportunities to have their voices heard. And Town Hall Project has been doing this, um, you know, for several months. They've got some amazing tools. So please go do check them out, townhallproject.com. You can also find them all the usual places, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, by searching Town Hall Project. They're fantastic and and they're really working hard. Speaking, you know, as someone that who's – you know, member of Congress does not hold town halls. Um, I always look to them to look for my scripts and to demand better because it's really important.
3: Yep.
1: All right, Kat. Thanks so much. Happy New Year.
3: Happy New Year. Talk to you next week
1: and in between. Thanks, Kat. Bye. All right, so now it is time for the first golden pantsuit of 2018. Just a quick reminder, this is an award that we give out to badass women, women who are supporting other women, women who are doing amazing things. And uh, this week, we are giving the award to Cardi B. And Cardi B is the first rapper ever to have three hits in the Billboard Top 10, which makes her join the Beatles and Ashanti in this milestone. But as I mentioned, she is the very first rapper. So she's featured on No Limits and Motorsport. And of course, she has her own single that I'm sure you've heard, Bodak Yellow. So let's hear from Cardi B herself about what makes a feminist.
3: You believe in equal rights, Uh, with men and women. That makes you a feminist. I don't understand how you bitches feel like. Being a feminist is a woman. They have an education. They have a degree. That is not being a feminist. You discouraging a certain type of woman. That definitely doesn't make you one. And some bitches want to act like. Oh you have to read a book about feminists. No you do not. There's only a definition for a simple word. The problem is that being a feminist is something so great. And y'all don't want me to be great. But too bad. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to encourage any type of woman. You don't have to be a woman like me for me to encourage and support you and tell you, yes, bitch, keep on going. So
1: remember what Cardi B said. Feminism is not what you read or wear or anything like that. It is about supporting every kind of woman. And you can only say hell yes to that. I I
0: love her. I love her. I mean, yeah, she pretty much summed it all up right there. So I don't need to uh, repeat it golden pantsuit Cardi B yes love her. golden
1: pantsuit congratulations Cardi B thanks for uh, schooling us on feminism <laughs> and that's the end of the show
0: amazing uh, Court it's great to have you back um, we had a couple like solo episodes running out December so it's nice to be here again with you we've got some amazing guests coming up on the podcast this month looking forward to uh, sharing all kinds of resources calls to action the usual Um, I think it's going to be a great a great year for the podcast or fancy nation and for democracy right it's got to be (laughs) <laughs> absolutely. I
1: mean, we've got the midterm elections coming up, and I plan to make it a great year for democracy okay, to do okay. everything that we can right. to do that.
0: We need you, though. We need our listeners to to join in um, and yes, make, it, make it a good absolutely. year for democracy. We'll just keep <laughs> saying that.
1: Yeah. This is 2018. This is democracy's year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, thank you so much to our guest, Rachel Cargill, of course, to Kat and to our team at Cadence 13. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're here, leave us a review. You can visit us at
0: pantsuitnation.org where you can find all kinds of information. Please do check in on our Facebook group, um, Pantsuit Nation. We've got nearly 4 million people there. There's stories posted every day. There's calls to action. Uh, folks like Rachel coming in and, and sharing educational resources. It's it's really a lively and engaging place to be. Um, and you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Pantsuit Nation. And we'll be back next week.
1: Yep. And remember, this democracy is your democracy. So stay engaged. Will do. Thanks, Court. Talk to you soon, Libby. Bye. Happy 2018.
3: Yeah.